So anyway, thanks for tuning in. We love you. So, um, I want to remember. Oh, remember. I want to remember yeah. Hamill Fuckington. Ooh, let's Hamilton get into it. On the West End, and it was show-stopping the incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, Satisfied is one of my faves, and it was, I, not a huge fan of the casting of um, Angelica, but it's okay, because I still loved it, the show still carried, um, I have such a fat crush on the girl who played Eliza, I think her name's Shan, anyway, very, oh, very, very, didn't, didn't she speak to you? Yeah, we're besties. Did she speak to you? Oh, on Instagram. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm You're gonna, actually famous now. I know, I got the pamphlet and I was just looking through, um, and every single one of them, Lambda, Rada, this mm, one, that one. one. Lenny, yeah, John, <laughs> Thank you for holding that apart. I love Whitney. Love her to bits. I really don't have anything I want to forget. Not one thing. Because I'm a ray of sunshine. Right. And you stand in the fucking sun. Okay, but listen, we can't go back into that. I'm sorry, but they have to know that you stand in the sun. You literally said ray of sunshine. I know, there was no other choice. Exactly. That, um, streamline. Cool. Um, yeah, my my second remember is filming. I loved filming. It was super fun. What were we? Wait, wait, wait. What were we filming though? I know, I know. Oh, crazy. What were we, we were filming um Actually. short film horror fun. Written by who? Written by me. Hey. Yeah. It was written by um, her. To my to my left, Lydia was a, a great assistant assistant director assistant whatever boom girl clapper girl i was everything i like everything i remembered my lines i showed up to work i was and i'm so happy to be a part of family um so really and truly like deep deep down like what do you want to remember what i hope to remember hope you remember yeah yeah to anyway, is our our attendance to the live pre, pre, like press podcast? It was episode. a it was a sleigh. It was a sleigh and a half. Mm-hmm. A sleigh, a whole sleigh and a half. And half a sleigh. Because that first of all, we met Adiel of Chain and our only song. I know it was so big. It was a big, big, major, major moments for us. Because like they're so gorgeous, it's they so are so wow. No, but they look so good in person, and I really it was so like interesting to see their podcast like just live up in person. Like her um, Adiola's dad was there, like giving his input and stuff, like from a male perspective. It was so it was funny. Hilarious. It was so funny, and I was just like, wow, like I'm seeing you guys live in the flesh. Yeah, live in the flesh. Ooh. They even reposted. Yeah, they did. Even reposted did. our story, so I'm just saying. I mean, why wouldn't they? We're major. Exactly. We're so, 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 They gave us. Uh, we are popping on the charts. Yeah, pussy popping on the charts. Pussy sorry. popping on the uncharts. But anyway. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah, that was pussy on the Thank you, thank you. Guys, that should be our new intro. Pussy popping on the uncharts. <laughs> <laughs> My mum would actually condemn me to Right, that. because this is not for the kids. No. But, um, 
yeah no I really hope to remember that because that was a real big big moment for me because I really made it made me feel like things were attainable mm-hmm. based off of not just seeing them but also the advice that they gave us like as mundane as it might seem to the next person I think for us it was proper like because after like after they gave us it like they gave us advice about content and we went and shot shot some content content straight away yeah and we just I feel like we became newborn babes like for sure yeah I love that it was a good day it was um yeah what do you want to forget being a big fat burger and not having any money I'm so sorry but um I'm gonna take it there I'm gonna take it there again let's all say it together hospitality and catering i've had enough of it i've had enough of it i have i'm a big fat burger with no money mm. but i'm working like a big fat burger yeah, and i don't big have fat a burger is actually old now because i don't care i, I don't like care listen i don't even care and i don't <laughs> have a problem with fat people i swear it's just them i just need to let them know that they're a big fat burger and that I, I feel like i'm working 20 million hours a second and have zero pounds and zero pence. That's not my portion. That's not my and portion. The economy is hard. But, but is. Rah, rah, I can't breathe. Mm. But yeah, that's what I had to forget. Anyway, moving swiftly on, what are we talking about today? Today we're gonna talk about. Sorry, I said I was gonna sing. Oh, I thought we were gonna do a little harmony. Oh, okay, it would have been good. It's, it sounded like it was coming along swiftly. Mm-hmm. We want to talk about displaced self-worth. Mm-hmm. Um, Ooh, it's a bit deep. I know. I'm placing it in the wrong people. What Ooh. that entails. Talk about being B and B. Black and British. B and B. Sorry. B and B. And what we've normalised being B and B. Oh my God. Um, so how do you measure self-worth? Unfortunately, a lot of self-worth <laughs> comes from pretty much, I would let Gemma know that I think. No, but seriously, I feel like self-worth, unfortunately, is placed in the hands of everybody else. Yeah. Um, a lot of us, I feel like a lot of what, especially with the field that we want to go into, a lot of it is lies in the approval of the masses, the people. Yeah. So it's like, which only is just it amplifies things because I feel like already people like we are just people of like requiring bad validation exactly we we feed off it and we um are stabilized from knowing that people think that we are enough exactly and valued really and truly because like this podcast for example like if people aren't tuned in, if we're not getting downloads, if people aren't commenting and stuff like that, if we're not getting likes, then it's like, what are we doing wrong? I know, exactly. You put that on yourself and you're like, well, what am I mm-hmm. not doing, really, in order to not to make, to make this the, the best thing it could possibly be? It, it's always a reflection back on oneself mm-hmm. when something is not performing. Exactly. And then it allows other people the opportunity to have something negative to say about you mm. and your, perhaps your work ethic, perhaps um, the content of whatever it is that you're, you're choosing to put out. Like if it's not, if it's not amplified on a bigger scale, then it's not deemed as important and there's no value in it. Yeah. Which is obviously not true because I feel like that so that more so speaks to like all the creatives who are just starting out and we that applies to us too but it's just like we cannot we can't I think what make what excites us about what we're doing is the fact that we love doing it and I feel like 
it's it can easily be dimmed when people aren't tuned into that like for example i think we spoke about him in another episode but um the writer of squid game waiting mm-hmm. 10 years to, for 10 years later for it to only be approved by people like yeah imagine if you didn't have that passion that drive your creativity is almost in the hands of like other people mm-hmm. um and it can just be suffocated and squeezed to death at any time they feel like it because i was listening to a podcast and this guy was like when they say that hollywood really is a business they're not joking because it really is about consumerism mm. and capitalism and what people and nepotism wanna, yeah unfortunately yep. and what people want to see because if they don't want to see it then that's not what it is which is why it's so it like people get um so much better pay than people who work in the theater mm. because theater is really not as mm. um that's so sad business though heavy business centric i from from what i gather could be completely that's wrong. so sad other areas I think you could be displacing yourself worth in as um, relationships, which is really common. Because mm. I feel like you obviously make this soul binding tie with somebody um, in like a, what's it called? A romantic relationship. Um, and when things start to go awry, it's like you are now you have you turn the mirror back on yourself and like or like what what am i doing wrong like why yeah why doesn't this person reciprocate these feelings but it also ties into our last episode well one of our previous episodes inspired versus influence like mm-hmm. you you place a lot of your self-worth i feel like when you when as self-worth pertains we also i feel like self like image is also a part of that Definitely. If you don't have the right look, let's say as a model or a singer or an actor. And I know we're entering an era where it's like, you know, body positivity and like inclusivity and all those things like that. But I feel like as much as that is um, a movement, it's, it's very, very much so hard to change what people um, perceive as normal. Mm. Um especially going into the creative industry and i feel like that's where self-worth can be at an all-time low because you don't believe in because it's like yeah there's this big movement but how much of people actually believe in it or is it just a like on instagram or a retweet because it looks good to like and retweet that but in reality that's not your reality and that reflects in the people you hang out with the people you date or the movies you listen to or the singers you want to be like or what you aspire to look like and dress like yeah is it it like are you being genuine in that sense Mm -hmm. i saw a tiktok about that i don't i really wish i could remember more of what it was about but it did pertain to like beauty standards and how like we keep it's this the disillusion of beauty standards like we keep um trying to reconstruct what um beauty is and like Mm. redefine it but in reality it's never ever going to be the case like we are like so quote unquote into plus size models right now because that's what's selling yeah um not because we're actually coming to re and also not because we're actually coming to re um define what beauty actually is Mm. and i just remembered her saying that um a really important part of it was that 
you like this particular plus size woman, but it's to um, a condition where it's like, well, she has to have Eurocentric beauty standards, yeah, exactly. or she's um, plus size but not too plus size. Yeah. She still can fit. She still fits in the constraints of the stand the beauty standards, mm -hmm. basically. Like, oh my god, I look really tragic. So do I. Suddenly. My choice is clear. How else? Like, don't ever question me, cause you know. Oh my I know God. everything you're talking about all the time, every time. You do. I can't believe that one. Clear. <laughs> <laughs> clear. That's exactly it. But do you know what? I think, um, in terms of self worth, I also feel like COVID had a big, big effect on that um and not even just like and i feel like anxiety is also it also draws into that because i would say i experienced a lot of anxiety coming out of covid and like having to mix with new people and like just yeah that was a lot it was really a lot i remember that being the that was the time in my life where I was the most anxious. Like mm. I was um, having panic attacks and I didn't even know what they were before that, before yeah. COVID. Um, I didn't have an understanding of like how to really like come to terms with my mental health and how that was changing. So I guess that is a huge part. Like I, I don't know about everybody else, but I hated Zoom classes. Oi. Hello. I don't know. Some you people... can't tell me to do acting on Zoom. I'm so sorry. No, don't don't tell me to do. I can't do that. I don't know. Some people were saying like, oh, they kind of prefer it on Zoom now because it's just whatever. I don't know, easy or something. I really wish I could be on the same page as you, but I personally hated everything about it. I, I it just filled me on Zoom. It Seriously. just filled me with so much stress and anxiety. Like, that's when the anxiety poops really skyrocketed. Yeah. It was actually, like, the laptop was in the bathroom with me. No, but in all seriousness, it's like, we were all going through it at the same time. But I remember going onto Zoom and, like, because obviously I study film and drama, and the drama part of it was just, like, everybody was so enthusiastic mm -hmm. and let me get my costume and let me be flamboyant and i was like how do you guys have the energy but are you guys lying or is this yeah. i guess this is acting but like i just when i tell you i was mentally physically drained like i could not do it like even being on zoom was overwhelming so overwhelming and it's like how yeah you're like what is even what's your self-worth placed in at that point exactly because for me i just turned to social media and that made me feel even more shit yeah. like it was around the time where my tiktok was constantly surrounded by so many positive things and i wanted to die <laughs> it was like top 10 places to shop in london or to eat out in london or um singing like singing videos and i was like well I can't fucking sing like that, so please don't remind me that I can't sing. Yeah. Um, or like places to go, I can't go anywhere because obviously we're in a flipping lockdown. But you know what it was? It was like, you know when everyone came out at a certain time to clap for the NHS, like out of their balconies and stuff. Like I thought like that was really nice to see people like because in my um, like where I live, I don't usually really speak like I don't really speak to my neighbours and stuff like that not like it was when i was younger 
like because uh, a lot of them i don't really know like that but like seeing everyone and just interacting with them it was kind of nice but then slowly like everyone got sick of it like slowly every, like less people started coming out less people started clapping like you didn't it was no longer a thing the uh, the performative energy yeah around 2020 was absolutely abhorrent because mm. from blm to nhs wow I'm, i completely forgot that people did that yeah it made my mom so happy yeah same i was like oh yeah. like the, it like she works every day tirelessly to come home to nothing to come home to turn on bbc to see cuts to pay yeah like for once she's feeling like and, it, and it's physical as well like yeah. these people are in your face it's not like saying thank you yeah it's like they're in your face saying thank you and and um I remember we tried to get my mum out on the balcony and just be like, yeah, she, she works at NHS. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but yeah, um, I feel like even that was when I kind of had an identity crisis as well, because during COVID, I was really struggling with what I wanted to do because I was on the fence of becoming a lawyer, but also doing biomed but then really, really, really wanting to do something with film and acting. Like, I, I really wanted to do that. Mm. And I was, I remember it being, it being such a struggle because I was, like, trying to deal with figuring out what university I wanted to go to, but no one knew what, what university was going to look like for us during that exactly time. Exactly, not at all. And then the decision of moving out at, or staying at home, but then it's like you're moving out to not even be able to leave it was a lot like it was very very intense i think a lot of pressure surrounding that because i was in the same boat was um like placing your self-worth in like what (coughs) pardon me what other people thought of me because obviously if i if my self-worth was just based on like my accomplishments and how i viewed myself i wouldn't have as much of a uh, as much difficulty Mm. choosing what i wanted to do because it wouldn't be a matter of oh, is it this or this subject? It would just be, well, which one fuels my soul? Which yeah. one just makes me happy? Which one and do I, I want to do? Right. Yeah. Um, and if I really... I don't think at any point I ever really asked myself that until I was alone. Um, and I was like, well, it's all up to me now. Mm. I think physically being alone really did help. Yeah. Because I don't think being surrounded by the four walls of which I grew up in, um, I would have come to that conclusion very easily. Yeah most definitely i think having having that like i feel like it was having that identity crisis and not not knowing what i wanted to do and then thinking okay possibly film acting that could be an avenue for me but then also thinking i'm in a lockdown what does that look like for somebody like me because we never knew like we didn't know when we would be out of that lockdown so it's just like what does work look like for me Theatres aren't open. I was going to say that we really saw firsthand the, the theatre community. I say firsthand, no, we didn't. But we saw the, the, we saw the theatre community struggle massively because yeah. they're not in as much of a safety net of a place as, like, the Hollywood industry is. Um, but even with that, so like... They really relied on each other. They couldn't... Like, you can't go on set to film anything because COVID was at an all-time high. And there was no, there was no vaccine. Like we didn't know what COVID was, so everyone was just out. I mean, sorry, every in fact, everyone was inside, 
and nobody knew what the future of their career would look like especially doing something as creative as be, wanting to be in a cre- be a creative it's like well come on like make it make sense you want to study film and we don't know the certainty of anyone's future right now that's true. you have to pick a career that's going to provide for you because we're in uncertain times and people are getting dropped left right and center NHS the NHS has been cut to to the point of no return like TFL everything is just like at an all-time low and you want to study film that was the the back and forth that I was going with through with my mum at the time it's true it's true at that time like in hindsight looking back like it definitely that dawned on me but subconsciously I wasn't thinking about it but I was thinking about it as a fact this this industry is absolutely messed but I guess it also like wasn't so that that wasn't um as big of a pressure on me because it's like even if I want to go into the healthcare profession look how they're suffering it's true so it wasn't even so much of like creative or not it was like really and truly Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're all screwed but it's also like if you think about like Hollywood in comparison to what do we have in the UK literally and then it's just like I feel like everyone, any actor, writer, or any creative, like the dream is always to move to the states because that's where the that's where the opportunity opportunities are presented. But then, if you really think about it, what is understandable because what do we have here? Yeah, I feel like the caliber of um, like measuring success in the UK is way less significant than the states. Mm-hmm. Like. I'm sure if you ask like half the people in the film industry what, um, this really doesn't help my point that I forgot what it's actually called. Oh my god, an Olivier, mm-hmm. idiot. An Olivier award, yeah. Yeah, and I the amount of times I've heard people being like, oh yeah, no, it's kind of like the UK's version of like a Tony. Yeah, but it's like it's its own thing, and yeah. also like they also don't regard it as ha- as as ha- yeah as important. In, as in, as important. So yeah. of course everyone's gonna be like, well, if I want to make it and I want to make it at like in the highest order or whatever, then I guess the only feasible option is to make it where you know it's most significant to me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or to other people. Because if you think about it, like if you think about like the BAFTAs or the MOBO Awards, mm. the Olivier's, it's like, I feel like that's more so seen as the starting point. And then you work towards the Grammys and yeah, the Oscars exactly. and the Tonys. And it's just like, wow. Because it's so, it's so common though to, to hear like this um, up and coming like British star, like making it on American, like American yeah. TV, whatever, like US sitcoms or like US whatever, mm-hmm. anything along the lines. Like, like, look, look, look how far they came. Like, look at where they started. Mm-hmm. Like, Daniel like, he started on, um, what's it called? Skin, skin, what the fuck is it called? Skins, I think. It is called Skins. Yeah. It just sounded wrong. Yeah. Skins. Or John Boyega, Attack the Block. Yeah. 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 Like, look how far they came. Like, they were on that. But I guess it's like, it's fair enough because one has a significantly less, like, has significantly less viewership than the other. Yeah. So it, it's understandable, but also, like, there's also this connotation to British film not being regarded as. Um, and not even just 
British film, British actors, singers. We were talking about like British R and B. Like it's not as reg- it's not regarded in the same sense. Yeah. And that's because everything we consume is literally from the states. It's so but Americanized. I remember somebody saying to me, I was at work, one of my other jobs, and somebody was saying to me, um, that we are having just a bit of a debate, and he was like, okay, so name me, name me three black British actors. I said Cynthia Erivo, Shana Lynch, Letitia Wright, and he said I don't know who they are, and I said, wow, okay, yeah, it's crazy, it's so crazy because that's our because that's what we were saying before, like um. I was having a um, discussion with this guy who was like so pretentiously annoying yeah. actor, of course, um, <laughs> and I was like, name, literally the same thing, like name three, three female directors, mm. three female writers, because like actors, sure, yeah, directors, writers, like you've re- you, you know, I'm not even know. like, not even black. Right, exactly. Don't even bring race into it. Yeah. But, like, just name them. Just women. And he couldn't even do that. Yeah, do you know why I always find um, an interesting debate? Mm. Publications like Variety or uh, Vogue or whatever, or anything like the Academy, would say, um, this person is the first black... Yeah. Um they're the first female or something something it's like when it comes to race and particularly i will say there's this debate of like how often do we need to be reminded of how inferior we are in the industry yeah um until like like how long does it have to go on for but then there's the whole other side of it that's like well no it's not about it's not an inferiority thing it's obviously just like shining a light on the fact that like we were in a difficult position where look how like look how far we've come basically. Yeah. Cause um fifty years ago we weren't allowed to be in um the, the same shop as you. <laughs> yeah. Sit in the same sections as you. Literally. Let alone be in the same like be on T V, be represented on T V, be represented in different magazines, um, like our, our music was stolen. Every genre of music, every piece of genre of music that's out there has literally been stolen. Do you know what I mean? Like, we had nothing. So I understand the emphasis on the first black or the first woman or the first this or the first that. Mm-hmm. However, I feel as though it kind of is sometimes... It could, I, I see how it could be seen as limiting mm-hmm. because it's like... I feel like we are, we already acknowledge the fact that we are black anywhere we go. So it's like I'm female. I'm female. So it's like it's a it's a double minority. You're you acknowledge that when I go into a room I'm going to be looked at twice because I don't look like everybody else. I may not sound like everybody else, I may not dress like everybody else, my body may not look like everybody else's. You mm-hmm. you you already acknowledge that. And it's think, like yeah reminder by the way you know you were not in this position before but now you are look congratulations you're the first, well done you're like, the first one you should be so happy but yeah. then it's like 
it brings about a certain pressure as well because mm. you feel like you need to represent well enough. Now you have standards to uphold. Exactly. Yeah. There's different. Cause yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. Like Serena Williams being the first female, whatever, whatever, to do whatever. Mm. It's like well now all the other women in my sport, I feel like I've got them on my back. Mm-hmm. Um, I was gonna ask, do you? Um, I I don't know if it was on Scandal. I think it was on Scandal. Um, someone was like, do you not like? Do you not count every black person in the room when you walk into a room? And then the guy was like, yeah. It wasn't going to win it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, and it was like, oh, like not counting, but you make, like, there's, you, there's, yeah. you acknowledge it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I yeah. definitely do. I like, 100% do. I, I didn't even notice it until it was said on TV, like, until they mentioned it. I was like, well, yeah, actually, shit, I do, obviously. Mm-hmm. Because it's not, it's, it's very, very, very subconscious. Yeah. Because obviously, in case you know, we've been black for a couple of years yeah, now. Yeah, we've been black for a few years. Yeah, we've been black for a while. We're not new to this. Um, so it's like, literally, my earliest memories, like primary school, I've definitely... Because you know, I, I know I'm the only black girl in my class. Like, it's not, it's not really something yeah. that's, like, hard to grapple with. You just yeah. come to terms with it and you, it's really there. Um, but then as you get older, you start to see how many people look like you in spaces that you're in. Yeah. And it's always limited. Mm. I think about it all the time. I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with the acknowledgement. I, I just, I just, and I, 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 I understand the importance of it because it's like, yeah, like I, I, like the pressure side, the pressure side to it is, yeah, of course, like now I have to work 10 times harder and if this isn't good, then they're not going to give that space or that opportunity to the next one. Mm. And I remember um, Viola Davis was talking about this in her interview about the Woman King, which... <laughs> what we've been calling Woman is King. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's yeah. But yeah, she was literally talking about that and she was saying that like, they literally have to fight for everything. Mm. Like, like um, the budget has to be fought for that hair and makeup has to be fought for. Everything has to be fought for because if it's not done correctly or if it doesn't meet the numbers, they will never give that opportunity to the next person. Mm. That's why it's like, it's important to acknowledge that I am a black woman and I was able to do it. But at the same time, it's just like, I am a black woman and I was able to do it. And she's a black woman. Yeah. Like, when is it, when is it? Being black is not a handicap. Yeah, exactly. That, I think that's the point. I feel like the connotations around it have become so, they sound so like, it just sounds like a, a restriction. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it is mm-hmm. to a certain extent. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not celebrate. I don't feel like it's celebratory. It's more so like, she's black. She did it and she's black. Exactly. Wow, wow, exactly. wow, wow. Exactly. Because it's like... Um, she did it and she's a woman. It almost puts them in a separate category. It's yeah. like you're not just um, the biggest... You're, oh, what was that again? Not to bring it back. Well, no. In fact, to bring it back. To bring it back. Full circle. To, um, yeah, Serena, who... Like, she kept on... on um, she was so bothered by like the understandably by people saying um she's the best like black female tennis player in the world or whatever or it's like no she's actually just the best tennis player in the world like, but it's the point is i think viola davis was always also saying that like 
in, in a different interview, she was talking about how she gets people to tell her that she's the greatest and like she's a black Meryl Streep. I literally remember this. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, and she was like, if I'm the greatest or if I'm the, if I'm this, that and the third, pay me what I'm worth. Pay me yeah. what I'm But how can you say to, how can you say that? Your black Meryl Streep. No, she's Viola Davis. Exactly. No one would even dream or dare to say that um, Meryl Streep is the black the, Viola Davis. The black. Sorry. The, the white. <laughs> thing is, it was coming out and I knew it was coming I'm out. I'm Ashley. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. Um, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but you wouldn't do it the other yeah, way Yeah, no one would say Meryl Streep is the white Viola right but it's just like it's just like is it because she's black and she's a woman like would it would you say the same for somebody like would you say denzel washington is the black who i don't know he doesn't even have a career comparable to anybody he's in his own he is in his own name but i feel like the problem is black women are um overlooked a lot in that sense i feel like she would not get the same response if she were a man yeah i don't feel like she'd be as comparable if she was a man and i feel like if they were comparing her they'd be comparing her to another man i'm telling another you, black man it's so like will smith um um morgan freeman denzel and oh my god oh my god remember his name it's like they're the greats but you don't compare them Samuel L. Jackson. Woo! Okay. <laughs> it's just that they're in their very specific, um, really high. Um, but that's the thing, though. That's the pro like you don't compare them. You don't say he's the this version of this and that. I mean, they might, they might do so. But once they've reached a certain level, which I feel like she is in that level amongst many other women, it's like you don't compare them anymore. Yeah. I feel like at the beginning stages, it's like, oh, you remind me of the because one of the greats. But it's like once that once that person has established or proven that like consistently, mm -hmm. consistently, this is what I'm able to do and this is what I'm able to deliver. You don't compare them anymore. Yeah. But then, what does that say about? Does colorism come into it? Mass like massively. I mean, always, almost always. Yeah. I was just thinking also like how um to like a takeaway how often do you hear a white male um actor writer creative whatever being compared to someone else in his field mm. like it's so like i never ever hear like because obviously these guys are pretty young so it makes sense because then they're really like hot off the press right now i don't know yeah. like timothy Chalamet, like tom holland and that like you they, they so are true. never They're ever never compared, compared to any other I, who the hell yeah. who like what other white old guy really are they compared no anyway um it's been real no deal it's been so 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 real it's yeah. been so so informative and mm. it's been so insightful and i feel like we kind of dug a bit deeper today we did we really did, and um, it was a quick burst of of intensity. But anyway, this is our shortest episode. Oh wow! Aside from chatting rubbish, but that's obviously chatting rubbish. This is like mm. this is a solid one. Anyway, um, Lenny, Danny, get it? Yeah, get it.
Thank you for holding down the fuck. Uh huh. And this has been. <laughs> I never want to say that again. Um, thank you for listening. We love you. Busy bye.